All right, well, if you would take your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll go ahead and read through verses 1 through 17 to begin our time this morning. Paul writing to Timothy says, But know this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, without gentleness, without love for good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness but having denied its power. Keep away from such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and take captive weak women, weighed down with sins, being led on by various desires, always learning and never able to come to a full knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved mind, disqualified in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as theirs was also. But you who follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, and to Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of all of them of the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue in the things that you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for waking us up this morning, giving us the energy to come and to fellowship with one another. I thank you for this group of men uh, who are here uh, as a result of your work in their lives, Lord, you first having saved all of us and then sovereignly placing us in this church, uh, giving us a heart of love for one another, a heart of love for your word. Uh, Father, help us to express that this morning as we encourage one another and as we get into your word. We thank you and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, well, if you've got your books, you can open up to page 100. If you are follow along on the PDF that's online, you can just type in Grace and Granite. It's a free PDF that'll come up. You can find it there too, page 100. We're looking at fathers in the home. And again, it's kind of pairing with what we're talking about on Sunday. We're looking at character principles. So what are the different character principles we should keep in mind as we seek to raise our children, or as I mentioned on Sunday, even in some ways, as we seek to encourage and disciple one another. 
And so the first one he's going to give is trusting in the sovereignty of God. Trusting in the sovereignty of God. Now, my question was, he says, your faith must be grounded in trusting that God is sovereign and I am not. So my first question was, why does that matter? Why does it matter when it comes to our fatherhood, when it comes to even our responsibilities as a husband, that we need to believe and trust that God is sovereign and I am not. And the first thing that came to my mind is because ultimately we cannot control all outcomes. And so if we believe we can, it's going to be really, really frustrating. We're probably going to wind up exasperating, provoking our children to anger, our wives to anger, we're going to become more easily annoyed and respond in ways uh, that are sinful and not according to the Spirit. Um, it's going to be much easier to become anxious and fearful, um, not being able to control all outcomes. But if we understand that God is sovereign, well, then the first thing we have to recognize is He's placed me in this situation. He's given me these kids and these particular issues that might be going on. He's placed us together for our good and for His glory. And so as a starting point, what's that going to enable you to do? Depend upon Him. If He's the one that designed, He's the architect of all this, well then of course my first response needs to be to go to Him and to ask for help. And in one sense to, to praise Him as the sovereign God that He is. And having done that, well, now we must do what he expects. So if I can't control the other person, if I can't control the outcome or whatever it is that I'm aiming at, what can I control? I can control my response. I can control my worship of the Lord. And so what I need to do in all situations as a father is seek his will in his word and seek to live the way that he has called me to live. And so he says, just remembering a few truths, baseline, God works, Ephesians 1.11, all things after the counsel of His will. Uh, this is what we are um, understanding and wanting, and this is what we need to get in tune with. God's sovereignty should affect our thoughts and responses. Uh, Psalm 115.3, God is in the heavens and He does <coughs> all that He pleases. And so all of this is according to, to his plan. He's going to move things the way that he wants. Understanding that will help us with our trials, with things that come in. And by the way, as fathers, your children are watching you. And so if they see you exhibiting a lifestyle that understands God's sovereignty and trust, and especially when a trial comes in, what are you teaching them, maybe even more than your words, is how to respond to trials, how to trust the Lord in trials. They're, they're watching you in all of these things. Uh, so open up to James chapter 1. We'll, we'll read this one together, which of course is <clears throat> the famous section on trials. And he's making the point here that James makes that He gives trials in order to strengthen our faith and to produce endurance or perseverance. Um, and 
It's interesting because the word trial here can be translated either trial or test. Um, And so in one sense, it it is kind of both. Um, The Lord is testing us. He's trying us to produce something. James 1.1, as slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are in the dispersion, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. By the way, you cannot consider it all joy if you do not understand that God is the one orchestrating it all. Knowing that the testing, and if you don't understand the outcome, knowing that the testing of your faith brings perseverance. And in light of the passage we just read this morning, 2 Timothy 3, where Paul is saying, hey, times are going to get more difficult. They're going to go from bad to worse. Um, But not only that, what does he say? All those who desire to live in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so what do you need in order to withstand that? You need perseverance. One thing that should be a great joy to the believer is to know God is in the heavens. He's sovereign over our orchestrating things, sending trials into my life. Why? To produce perseverance so that I might be able to withstand whatever comes, whatever persecutions come my way. So he's literally orchestrating our faith all the way to glory. And let perseverance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, and again we're talking about a trial, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubting nothing, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that you will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all all of his ways. Verse 5 and verses 2 through 4, that's what we want our children to see. Verse 7 is what we do not want our children to see. They don't need to see a dad that when a trial comes, he's everywhere. His emotions are everywhere. His responses are are everywhere. He doesn't know how to respond. They need to see someone that, hey, the waves are up, the storm is brewing, but dad's anchor is firmly in God's word and in the truth that God is sovereign. Hey, it seems to us all that he's not on his throne, but let me just make it real clear. He's on his throne. And not only that, he knows exactly what he's doing. We don't. (laughs) I may not be able to see five months ahead, ten years ahead, whatever it is, but I can see this, that God's on his throne, and he's doing exactly what he wills. And so that is a a truth that we need to live and pass on uh, to our children. He says, God is always faithful as he stretches a believer and sovereignly controls the parameters to produce more faith. He does not desire to crush your faith. He is, in fact, protecting your faith. And that, again, is a great encouragement. I thought of 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you. And again, I think I would need to look that up, but most likely that's the same word that James is using in the noun form. But such as is common to man, but God is faithful, 
will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. What God sends, He's not going to give you more than you can handle, and He's always going to give you a way to obey Him in the midst of it. So as fathers, we need to remember and pass on and set an example of trust in God's sovereignty. Second, we need to see leadership in the home as a stewardship, which I would maybe even take it beyond the word leadership, but see our children as a stewardship and as a gift from the Lord. And so what is a steward? A steward is someone who just manages something that someone else that someone else is ultimately. And so what God has given us in this case is our children for a short amount of time. And we are seeking to lead them, manage them, shepherd them in a way that is most pleasing to God because they are His ultimately, and He has given them to us in order to raise them up, bring them up, as Ephesians 6, 4 says, just as He has commanded. He says, as stewards, this is our one opportunity to generationally pass on through our teaching in leadership or example in the home. And so what this means is we need to have a really well-defined and clear understanding of what it is God desires for us to pass on. Now, I gave three things on Sunday that you are, according to Deuteronomy 6, to pass on the idea that they should believe in God, just that they would know that God exists in all kinds of ways. You could do that throughout the day, throughout the week to show your belief in God and to model that. Also, a love for God that, hey, we're here at church, wherever it is, and and what I do and the way that I talk to mom and the way that I open the Bible and read it, that's because I have a sincere love for the Lord and modeling that and teaching the importance of that. And I would say, hey, I get it. You can't make somebody love the Lord, but you can certainly tell them that that is the command. And the standard, because one thing your children need to see is I cannot live up to this standard. I need Christ. And at that point, that's when the true love comes in, but the command shows them their need for Christ. And so we want to model that and show that. And then also this idea of living for God. And that God expects us to live for him wherever we are. Now, that was just three very broad categories but as fathers, in one sense, you're required to pass on this, like all of it. <laughs> and so there's, there's going to be all kinds of situations uh, that determine what it is we're, we're dealing with, um, their character development. Well, what does the Lord want them to be developed into? What are the, the attributes and the characteristics and the attitudes Uh, that he desires for his children to have and for those who are mature to have. All these things, we need to have a clear understanding of what we're aiming at. Just as my basketball coach back in high school knew exactly what he wanted, he wanted the win out of us. And so he designed those practices in a certain way. Uh, There were certain elements to basketball that you just had to fundamentally know. So we spent a lot of time shooting. We spent a lot of time pressing. Uh, We spent a lot of time doing defensive slides that I hated, but it was needed. But that's because he was trying to produce a certain kind of basketball player. 
And in the same way, we need to know what is it we're aiming at with our children, and then we develop our instruction, our game plan according to that to help them where they're at get to where they need to be, all the while reminding them and telling them this cannot be done without Christ. We need Jesus Christ looking for opportunities to shepherd their heart because we're not just looking for outward conformity or morality. We're looking for someone who truly loves the Lord. And so this is the second principle, seeing leadership in the home as a stewardship. As a stewardship. He says one way that we can do that is as a father, your presence in the home should be, he says, predictable. Predictable. He says, don't toy with your family or throw money at your problems when time and attention is needed. So don't farm out your children, I think is the idea there. Um, let them know that you love them by your time. I'm going to grab some water because I'm about to choke over here. Um, and I realize certain people have different <coughs> responsibilities. Your job takes you away. military, um, and that might take you away from your children. And that's all in the Lord's sovereign plan as, as well. But what they need to know is that you desire to be there. You have responsibilities. Sometimes that means that, hey, dad's going to stay up a little bit later to do some work. Um, and right now, I'm going to give up doing some work to spend some time with you. Sometimes that means, hey, I'm, I'm, if you can, I'll do my work at home. And uh, I'm maybe not as present, but at least I'm there. And other times it, it means, hey, dad's got to go. I got to go to work. I love you. My heart is to be here. Just let them know that every which way that you can. He says, fourthly, under this point, when men advocate their role, Women take over out of fear. Take over out of fear. <clears throat> the roles are reversed, and it is disastrous to sons and, I would say, also daughters, when fathers neglect their family. The absentee father is a tragic loss for the children. And yeah, there's all kinds of ways we cannot do this. We, we cannot abdicate our role as teacher, as we covered on Sunday, this is our responsibility, and your children need to see you loving God's Word and passing it on. And we also, this is probably more common, maybe the same, but we cannot pass on our role as the one who's disciplining them. Um, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just not that way. Mom's more that way. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her deal with all the discipline issues. That's to put something on her that she is certainly not meant to bear, at least fully. Um, and that is to abdicate your role. And one day you will stand before the Father, and He is expecting you to be the primary one that disciplines. This does not mean that your wife will not discipline, but if she's doing all the disciplining and you're not doing any, eventually what that's going to lead to is, okay, mom and dad aren't on the same page. Or, you know what, dad, he's a lot more loving and gracious than mom who's not. 
Y'all need to have the same game plan, and she needs to be following your leadership, not the reverse. That's going to cause major problems. And when they're little, they can't figure it out. But when they're older, they'll figure it out. Um, and the issues will be much greater when they're older. So what does this mean? Someone from the seminary, his name is Irv Busnitz, used to be the president at the Master's Seminary. He always said, you do the hard work while they're younger, and it will pay off when they're older. And so some of you have young children. Now's the time. Put in the hard work as much as you can. And hopefully when they're older, you'll be able to take on more of that counselor role. This does not mean that when they're older, it's not hard. It can be hard. Um, but basically, wherever you're at, the time to work for the Lord is now. And then he says, Proverbs 22.6 is not a promise from God, but is generally true biblical instruction. And as you may have noticed from a couple of weeks ago, I kind of took maybe a, a different approach to this verb or to this verse. The LSB translates it this way. Train up a child according to his way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so the way I would take that, the way the Legacy Standard Bible translators are taking that as well, um, is that if you allow a child to go according to his way, when he's old, he will not depart from it. And so we're not talking about a good way, we're talking about a bad way. Uh, either way you take that, I would say it's his statement is true. This is generally true, because obviously you could have a child who is not disciplined by his parents, not taught by his parents who the Lord saves, and he does depart from that way. Um, but just, I think, a, something to remember for us as dads. It is not love to allow a child to go according to his way. They need someone to discipline them and to show them and to begin to direct them in the correct way. And I would say even if they're not a believer, there, there are just things that you can teach them that will be generally helpful in their life. Um, and so we can't, you know, hey, he's not a believer, I can't do anything, you know, he's just little. We want to be constantly correcting them, aiming them, always in love, always appropriately uh, to view the world rightly and to behave rightly as God has commanded, looking for ways to share the gospel all throughout. So, see leadership in the home as a stewardship. Third, we need to believe in God's word. Believe in God's word. In fact, like one thing I was thinking while we were reading our passage this morning, uh, Paul makes it clear, where was this? 2 Timothy 3, basically what I, was, what I was thinking while I was reading it, particularly towards the end, is that Paul has a strong conviction. <laughs> um, but you continue in the things you have, oh, here it is, verse 14. You have learned and have become convinced of. Um, and I think that's where we want to be in our study of God's Word. And so this means if you're going to be convinced of it, you have to truly understand what it means. And so you can't just have a, a cursory Bible reading every morning and, hey, you've kind of checked it off, but you've not really thought about it. Um, you need to actually read it 
and be convinced that this is exactly what it means. And having done that, these things can now seep in and become a conviction. Uh, As you live it out, you begin to see the truth of it and God's faithfulness. And they're planting deeply within your soul so that you can't move. You're here. You're convinced. Um, Romans, you turn over to Romans. I I was thinking of this one the other day. Romans 8, verse 31. So he's basically saying, um, who will bring the charge against God's elect? Who's the one? He's the one who justifies. Who's the one that condemns? And then verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Affliction, turmoil, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Um, But in all these things, verse 37, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. And then he writes, verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is he convinced? Because he knows the Word. He's he's not unsure as to what it means. He believes 100% that if Christ has saved him, he will continue the work all the way to completion. So Paul obviously had the benefit of being the one who God was, through the Holy Spirit, giving him the Word exactly. But we have the Holy Spirit-inspired words, which means we too should be convinced. And so all that to say, when we're looking at character principle number three, believing in God's Word, I think sometimes that word convinced helps us. We need to be absolutely sure through faithful study of God's Word what this means. Um, And then he says... Um, turning over to Ephesians chapter 6, he's going to use this kind of as a little blueprint, as something that we should think of in believing and living out our fatherhood in the home. So Ephesians chapter 6, and really it's kind of verses 10 through 18. And we'll kind of quickly go through this and then go to our tables. He says, the father must be grounded in these verses. The armor of God. We must know the truth and believe it no matter what. Uh, Take up responsibilities and resist a wayward path. Um, Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God um, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So we're looking for a man who 100% believes God's word, knows what it means, he's sure of it, he has conviction, so that when the evil day comes, the day of temptation comes, you are resisting and standing firm in the truth. Other people may be swayed from this, not dad. We are standing right here as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. How can we, how can we be sure? Well, let me show you. This is what it says right here. We cannot move from this. You need to show them that you are convinced. Be urgently ready and prepared with your feet under you. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're convinced in the gospel. You're a man of the gospel. You will give out the gospel. This is what you are standing on. And then he goes to verses 16 and 17. 
talking about temptations that come against us. In addition to all of this, having taken up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, also receive the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so just one thing to point out there, the shield of faith only works if your faith is in the correct thing. And if you know fully that correct thing. And so that's the word of God. So again, when situations of life come at you, or whatever it may be, you need to have actual truths that you're convinced of, that you're standing on, that you're placing your faith in. This is what helps you to resist the devil and temptations and the arrows that are being flung at you. Whatever that arrow may be, if this is an arrow that's tempting you to lust, I know what God's Word says. I know what the consequences are. In fact, I believe that God brings far more pleasure than anything. This temptation, I'm standing upon this, whatever it may be. And so you have to be grounded in God's Word. There's going to be all kinds of other things you could be grounded in, but again, for you, for your children, this is what you're teaching. All right, let me pray for us, and this will be part one. Part two will come next time. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for the opportunity to come together to worship you by spending some time in your word. Uh, Father, being a earthly father is a desperate business, and we're often looking for help um, because we can't see perfectly our children's hearts. And there is a, a real sense we, we certainly can't save them. Um, and yet it is our desire, uh, just as it is your desire, to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, help us not to in any way get in the way of that, but Father, to consistently point them to the way which is through Jesus Christ. Help us to model a humility um, that shows them the, the need to confess our sins and to recognize our sins. And Father, help us to model a humble dependence upon you uh, through your word and through prayer. Father, I pray for these men. I know we're in all various different life circumstances. Uh, some no kids, some little kids, adult kids. Uh, we're on all various parts of the map, and yet you've placed us together because we have different insights and different ways that we can help each other. So, Lord, help us to do that now as we go to our tables, and so we commit that time to you as well. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.